Once Upon a Time, in the sound of your earbuds, there was a podcast, and it was all about the magical world of Stars Hollow and our heroines, Lorelai and Rory Gilmore, and all about their pop culture references. And today we're going to get to meet your podcast hosts, Grimm. Taylor. And Kyla. And we're going to be your narrators today on this magical journey through the enchanted forest of pop culture references that is your favorite television series. I'm so glad we get to be a part of the journey for everyone. And now here's where we insert the noise where you turn the page. Did you ever have those books as a kid? I don't know. <gasps> you, I feel like you would. I had a bunch of these Disney books. I remember specifically a Lion King one mm-hmm. where you would like read along with the cassette tape. And then they would say, and whenever you hear this noise, and it was usually yeah. like a sprinkly magical noise. Turn the page. I do remember that. Yeah. Vaguely. That was so lovely, Taylor. That really set us up. I just want to keep things feeling calm. Just talking our NPR voices all long, every day. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Tune it in now. (laughs) I'm Taylor Glass. (laughs) That's not my name. Well, are you ready to talk about magic? And head into the world of fantastical things and curses and spells and and funny little creatures funny little creatures (laughs) creatures creatures yes i am and where everything echoes 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 (laughs) (laughs) uh let's do it well uh just jumping right into this magical realm the episode of gilmore girls we are talking about today is gilmore girls 416 the reigning lorelei And this would be the reigning like an evil queen, not reigning like from the sky. (laughs) And this verse aired March 2nd, 2004. And the IMDb plot summary is Lorelai the First, a.k.a. Trix, a.k.a. Gran, passes on, suddenly leaving Richard a mess and Emily handling all the arrangements till she discovers a letter Trix wrote Richard the day before he and Emily married. Hold that thought. (laughs) Lorelai finishes up the arrangements the best she can. Luke and Nicole quarrel in the town square, (laughs) and bar-glass-pinching cousin Marilyn reminisces about Lorelai the First's full life. Interesting they felt the need to include the cousin, but... Maybe because she was also played by the one and only mother from Happy Days, Marion Ross? Yeah, could be. Which I definitely did not pick up the first time I watched this episode. That is so funny. (laughs) I remember thinking, I thought she was dead. (laughs) (laughs) The wig really did a number on me. Mm, All right. Wigs confused Taylor. Good to know. Yeah. Just remember that. If you come back blonde, I'm going to be like, where's Kyla? (laughs) Uh, One fun fact before we really dive into our pop culture reference This is just one of those fun facts of trivia on the IMDb page for the episode. Rory, of course, does a research project for the obituary for Graham. Mm -hmm. And hilariously has a tiff with Doyle over it in the Yale newsroom. But Rory finds out that Graham met Presidents Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon. And these are the same presidents that Forrest Gump met. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's funny. And that makes me like to think that Trix and Forrest Gump met somewhere along the way. But that's a fan fiction for another day. Maybe on his run across America. Did he go to the East Coast? Didn't he run coast to coast, basically? But he started in the South, so did he go... Oh, you're right. Right? He lived in Alabama? Mobile Alabama? No, Greenbow. (laughs) sorry it's been a minute since i've watched forrest gump yeah i used to think Uh, that that movie was an epic i remember i watched it young when i was young and it just seemed like it was the 
probably one of the first movies I watched that wasn't just like, you know, a fairy tale or mm-hmm. something really light. And it just felt like, oh, so meaningful. Look at how his life played out. Anyways, changed my world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably talk about another one of these movies that really changed your world. I think so. <laughs> Uh, because when Lorelai and Rory are discussing the fallout of that letter, uh, what was all in that letter again? Oh, just tricks telling Richard he shouldn't marry Emily. He should marry that one girl, Penelin Lott. Oh boy, Penelin Lott. Yeah, when Lorelai is telling Rory about it, they have uh, this conversation as they are going through all of Graham's documents. Bank info? Hand it to me. I cannot believe that story. Yeah, well, trust me, the Brothers Grimm were over in the corner yelling, no way! So, Taylor, Brothers Grimm, who are they? Did you know? I had heard of them, but I had also heard that the stories they wrote were different than the stories I knew. Mm-hmm. So, like, I knew they wrote a lot of fairy tales, but I had also heard... They, uh, what they wrote was not what Disney and many other major movie makers and storytellers were adapting. Gotcha. How about you? Yeah, um, the last name, Grimm. So that sounds sad. I don't think that I, I think I just heard that, and so I knew Brothers Grimm, sad, Grimm, right? <laughs> Did that which came first, their name or the word grim? Cuz grim is a pretty good way to sum up their tales. Yeah. I have no idea. And who knows if that word was taken the same way at that time as it is today. Right. Because if there's anything we know about the Grimm brothers, they love words. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think I was very aware of Brothers Grimm. Okay. Well, good thing we watched the movie about them, because it's a pretty good documentary of their life, would you say? I would say that it taught me some things that I didn't know about <laughs> the brothers. However, it was not an epic like Forrest Gump. <laughs> uh, to be clear, the movie we are referencing is The Brothers Grimm, which came out in 2005. So after this episode aired, so the Gilmores were not specifically referencing this movie. However, it's a good uh, kickoff point, I think, for our conversation. Mm-hmm. Stars ya boy, Matt Damon. Ooh, another one of his movies. Kyla loves this guy. Check. Keith okay. Ledger. <laughs> Jonathan Price, Lena Headey, and Monica Bellucci. And normally, this is the part where I'm like, and it won all these Oscars, and it was nominated for this, and it was a huge hit. This is the part today where I'm like, it won no major awards. And I always say take uh, the Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt, but I feel like the 38% is fair in this case. However, this is the same year that Brokeback Mountain and Syriana came out, so at least Matt Damon and Heath Ledger had something going for their careers that <laughs> oh year. Oh my goodness. And what was the third movie? Syriana, which is a George uh, Clooney political movie. And don't know it. your boy Matt Damon, I think, earned more movie credence for his performance in that than he did in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Well, glad they had other things going on. Yeah. Uh, So what happens in this movie? So, my boy and uh, Heath Ledger, do you like him? I like Heath Ledger. I have watched Ten Things I Hate About You and The Dark Knight and A Knight's Tale recently. Yeah, Knight's Tale. I just sometimes think about... What, well, it's everything about his death is tragic, but I just started thinking about, like, what do you think he would be doing today? I feel like he would be making really good movies. Yeah. And that is probably the least important thing about his death, but it's just, like, another thing that makes me really sad to think about is just 
this guy would be doing great things and he's not around anymore to do it. Yeah, it's true, but it's it's true that that's one of the lesser important things about him still being alive, but it's just how we know him, right? So yeah. our context is not, oh, we could have had dinner with him. No, yeah. we could have watched more movies. So yeah. Anyways. That is a good point, yes. I actually remember the day he died. I was at a friend's house who loved Heath Ledger, loved Batman, was very excited about Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises because it did it come out right as he died? I mean, it was very close if to. If I remember correctly, Dark Knight came out in like June or July, but he had died in January. Okay. Yeah. So, but we were all anticipating Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I remember being at his house and him, like, seeing him find out that Heath Ledger died. He was so sad. Like, oh. Yeah. I remember talking about it to my friend Laura at school the next day because she loved Heath Ledger. And it was like, I felt like I needed to check in with her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Celebrity crushes, you know? Yeah. So, my boy, Matt Damon, we'll call him your boy, Heath Ledger. Sure, they're that's bros. Fine. They're bros IRL, and they're friends. You know, they hang out. They live their whole lives together. They're in business mm-hmm. together, particularly in the business of trickery when it comes to mm-hmm. people's, uh, the tall tales they tell or the witches they believe in. And they're like, sure, that's truth. Let let us mm-hmm. take care of your witches and other mystical problems. And so they mm-hmm. fake. They have some actors they hire. One of the guys is the um, one of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, I knew I recognized him and I could not put my finger on it. Yep. Um, He's the skinny one. His, yes. Who has the eye that pops out. Yes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows who we're talking about now. Thank so, you for placing that for me. No problem. So they use them to play witches, and so then the Matt Damon and Heath Ledger fake kill them, and they're like, hey, we took care of your witch. Give us your money. Move on to the next town. Mm-hmm. And this is taking place in France-occupied Germany, correct? Yes. Which is more or less accurate to the time. We'll talk more about that. Roger Ebert, my other boy, <laughs> he <laughs> clarifies in his review this is about 1796. Okay. So Napoleon is on a rampage. Oh. Yeah. Cool. So they get found out, though. People hear about him. And, in fact, the French military people, leaders in the area are like, mm-hmm. hey... Someone else is doing this, but they're causing more problems than you are. Could you take care of it? Yes. Also, my boy Roger Ebert points out, the plot of this movie is not the easiest to follow. I was very glad I read a plot summary after the movie. I was like, oh, that's who that guy was. Okay. (laughs) Okay, who was he? Who was Uh, this leader? He, well, he's also the dad in Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's just get that out of the way. Is he? (laughs) Wait, who's dad? Elizabeth's dad. Oh, I did not. Honey. Okay, and then also, oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, you're fine. I was just going to say he's got a major French accent in this movie, so you may Mm. not put that together. Yeah, Mm. I didn't. But funny because... Was it Heath Ledger was supposed to, his character was supposed to be played by Johnny Depp, but this was pre Pirates of the Caribbean, so they thought, yeah, eh, he's not going to be enough of a draw. Yep, it was Matt Damon that was supposed to be re- Johnny Depp. Okay, yeah. funny. Yeah, so this guy, his name's Delatome. He's basically Napoleon's guy in Germany who runs the show, and then he has a sidekick that Ebert calls a bizarre torturer. Which is true. They, like, hang them upside down and put their heads in boxes of snails over, like, boiling fire. Right. I have so many questions. And he is basically (laughs) the French version of the German secondhand man in Hogan's Heroes. You're right. That is a great idiot, but entrusted with uh, their Mm -hmm. captives. 
Yeah. Sergeant Schultz, but French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, then they have to go to this little town where children keep disappearing. And they are supposed to do their magic debunking or at least say they took care of the witch. Mm-hmm. But then they get there and they find out magic is real, guys. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen this plot before in other movies, and I just cannot think of where I've seen it. But this idea of where people are making money off of something that they believe to be fake, and then they find out it's real. This is yes. definitely a plot I've seen in other movies. What about the, I think it's a DreamWorks movie, Road to El Dorado? Oh, yeah, that's a great example, where they are... Just trying to make money and then Yeah, they're get scammers and then they mm -hmm. actually find something real. Maybe that's what I've been trying to think of all this time. I'm just know. here to to solve all your little mysteries tonight. It's true. <laughs> this time the answer was not Pirates of the Caribbean though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they find out magic is real, partly because they go into the woods and they find this weird tower. And like 12 graves around it. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they're also trying to flirt with a local, is she a blacksmith? I think so, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Kind of like in a knight's tale, female <gasps> blacksmith. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All these connections, crazy. <laughs> I know, this movie may be actually really good. And... They, both brothers, are kind of interested in her, but it's very poorly developed for both of them. Yes. And, I mean, stuff happens. The trees move around so they can't find their way back. They have to lick Grandmother Frog, which is just a nearby frog that they seem to always find. And then she tells them where to go. Yeah. And eventually they find out that there's an evil mirror queen up in the tower <laughs> with long hair as long as Rapunzel's and their girlfriend, who has a name but is not memorable. Uh, is it like Katarina or something? Does that I remember right? I had subtitles on because British accents are hard for me. Okay. And, or any accents because these were not British. And... It was spelled odd. Like, it it was spelled with a K, and I was like, shouldn't that be a C? <laughs> That's what I remember. I'm, oh, Angelica. Yes, Angelica Her name is Angelica, K, not Katarina. in the subtitles on wherever I watched it. Also, IMDb with a K. Mm. And Angelica's dad went missing. She Angelica. thought he died. Angelica. <laughs> And they thought he went missing, but actually he was cursed and is now also a wolf sometimes. Mm -hmm. And he helps steal little girls. With a magical axe. Mm-hmm. For the queen, so that she can suck up their youth and beauty and live forever. And there's a like big showdown. <laughs> There's a big showdown and the tower ends with them breaking the mirror and Matt Damon almost dies but doesn't. Yeah, he becomes the witch's boyfriend, boy toy for a second. And uh -huh. then being stabbed with a sword and then a giant spike in his heart doesn't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So Because I guess her curse is undone. They kill the But, like, queen. how does that really negate the stabbing? <laughs> there are a lot of things that I wondered about in this movie. And there are a lot of little nods to different Grimm's fairy tales. Yes. So you see these all these different Grimm fairy tales just kind of pass by. You see a girl in a hood, a red hood. Mm -hmm. And she's walking along and runs away from a wolf. And then you hear later, oh, yeah, this one girl got carried off by a wolf, maybe. And, like, at the beginning of the movie, in the flashback to their childhood, when they're broke, 
baby Heath Ledger, not played by Heath Ledger, sells <laughs> their cow for magic beans. And then Matt Damon holds it over his head. Forever. Yeah. Spoken in his unrealistic British accent. Is this supposed to be British? You know, who's to say? Because this is in Germany. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of questions. But you you also, like, this one girl becomes, she gets, like, absorbed by this. Oh, my gosh. Like, mud monster who then says, I'm the gingerbread man, and <laughs> runs off. And I'm like, what is and happening? Why do you have a mouth with teeth? I thought that was actually legitimately disturbing. Mm -hmm. Like, because she loses her eyes and her mouth first, and her face oh. is, like, closed off. And then it, like, goes into this mud pit, and then it turns into the gingerbread man. Which is crazy. Not a cookie I would eat. No. And doesn't make sense to me at all. I do believe I've soiled myself. How oh, good. I thought it was me. Mmm! Oh, it's good! Sasha! Sasha! What else did we see? We saw a... Not a wolf, but a horse swallow a little girl. Oh, and you can so see disturbing. her, the bulge in the horse's stomach, which is what happens in Red Riding Hood. You know, he, they open him up and get out the people that he's eaten. But no, this was a horse, and it was a real life horse. And oh, and there were like spider webs coming <gasps> out of its mouth. There to were spiders her. everywhere, and it was webs. Very gross. Yeah, really gross. And then, like, the evil queen is supposed to be, like, the evil queen in Snow White. Yeah. Angelica's dad is kind of the huntsman, but also a wolf. He was kind of like the wolf from Little Red Riding Hood is what it reminded me of. Yeah, but he was also, like, Snow White's evil queen huntsman, you oh, know? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So they, they mix things. I think that was purposeful. But one thing that you do see along the way that... I was not aware that the brothers, that this was true for Brothers Grimm, is that Heath Ledger, he's kind of the believer and then Matt Damon is the skeptic mm -hmm. of all these tales. But Heath Ledger's, he hears little stories and anecdotes from kids and adults and and he writes them all down. So they, and that's something mm -hmm. they actually did was collecting stories from all different cultures and people and which kind of feels like stealing but if they're the first to write it down then I guess <laughs> they get the credit so that was kind of cool to see yeah I don't really have any great thoughts on this movie at 20 minutes in I could not figure out who this movie was for is this movie for adults <laughs> is it for children like, I truly did not know who the intended audience for this movie was. Because there were parts that I thought were too disturbing for children. Mm -hmm. But, like, this movie is far too juvenile for adults. And so I was like, are you just, like, trying to make your own Shrek and you just totally failed? I think it seems like it would be best for teenagers who are like, ooh, edgy fairy tales. Maybe? Do teenagers like edgy fairy tales? <laughs> I don't know. What are the kids up to these days? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Just like Pirates of the Caribbean is kind of more geared toward teens. But that's something I think adults can enjoy too. Yeah. I watched it recently. It's great. Good. <laughs> well, I will say it was a troubled production. It is a famously troubled movie production. So there may be some reasons that were not just creative flaws behind mm. this movie not working. MGM had to drop out of this movie because they couldn't raise enough money, so it went to Miramax, and the director, Terry Gilliam, ended up in a bad relationship with the Weinstein brothers, which today feels like, of course, but at the time, you don't know that. And mm -hmm. apparently they fired a bunch of people that Terry Gilliam wanted to 
be on the film with him. And apparently things got so bad, it was shut down for two weeks because they couldn't figure out what they were going to do. And even Terry Gilliam, the director, has said there were two different visions for this movie and neither of them won. Mm. And That's too bad. Which is definitely a bummer. I can totally see how that would happen on a movie like this. And I am bummed for them. But it at least makes me feel better that this was nobody's vision. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Nobody wanted this. (laughs) And I sure hope this is the worst movie Heath Ledger and Matt Damon were both in. Because if it's worse (laughs) than this, I really don't know what it is. (laughs) All my life I've studied these folktales, Will! And now I find one that's for real! It's not beans! It's real. We don't understand. I have to do this. Oh, God. All right, Jake. What do you want me to do? Honestly? You're my brother. I want you to believe in me. Yeah, it was just not good. Like, it wasn't like there was some glaring, like, oh, this, why did they do that? It was just, it makes sense that they, the director said this, two different visions, both kind of mixed in there. That totally sounds accurate to what came out, because it was just confusing, not... You didn't really care about the characters, and then they all lived, and it was fine. Like, it just... Mm-hmm. Meh. Yeah. Not a fan. Grim outcome for this movie. Too bad. <laughs> you might say. But at least it got us interested in the real people? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They were real brothers. Which Real I think brothers. Which we all knew and have established. <laughs> yes. They are called Jake and Will in the movie, but in real life, their names were Jacob Ludwig Carl Grimm and Wilhelm Carl Grimm. Wilhelm. And they were born in 1785 and 86, and they died in the 1850s and 60s. Just for a little context, they were born into a pretty well-off family, but then when they were 10 and 11, their dad, who was a lawyer, died. And so when you do see them destitute in the movie, that is accurate to their childhood. They had four brothers and sisters in addition to them. Mm. So money was tight. And they ended up becoming some of the most important German scholars of their time. Yeah. So they kind of... Turned those little beans into a beanstalk, you might say. (laughs) However, they did not write Jack and the Beanstalk is one thing I found (laughs) in my research. So that was not the most apropos reference to make in the movie. Uh, Oh, my. Or the gingerbread man. Not a grim story. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. That's. (laughs) Then why did they. Wow. Talk about not doing your research. No. Unlike us. Or. They should have hired us. Yeah. Or I think they just wanted everyone to think of the gingerbread man from Shrek. That's my theory. Okay. You really think they were trying to make some sort of Shrek movie? I mean, it's like a mashup of fairy tales. That's true. And Shrek was like a huge deal. In the fourth grade, I said to my parents, I got straight A's. I think I get a movie. And I picked Shrek. I just want you to know that. (laughs) That was you. We bought Shrek on VHS and it was a big deal. (laughs) Tell me, or I'll. No, not the buttons! Not my gumdrop buttons! All right then, who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know the Muffin Man? The Muffin Man? The Muffin Man! Yes, I know the Muffin Man. Who lives on Drury Lane? Some Brothers Grimm tales that people will remember. Well, Hansel and Gretel, that was in Brothers Grimm, that was represented. Mm The frog prince, they mentioned kissing a frog and it turned to a Mm -hmm. prince, but in this movie they licked the frog. I guess because it was a grandmother, not a prince. Uh, Cinderella, that wasn't in the movie though. Goose Mm -hmm. Girl, Rapunzel, except 
the evil witch had the long Rapunzel hair. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, Little Red Riding Hood, we did see the wolf and the seven young goats. That's not one I know. Uh, the Three Little Pigs, know that one. Rumpelstiltskin, that's one I really liked as a kid. Sleeping Beauty, which didn't we see something about pricking your finger? Was that somewhere in there? Who's to say? I watched this movie less than a week ago, and <laughs> I can't even tell you that much about it. That's all right. Snow White, that was represented. Definitely. Lots of others, but there are some that you might know. And I did want you to know, I double-checked, Beauty and the Beast, not a grim fairy tale. Oh, in my list it was. Oh, okay. Well, it's definitely represented in the movie, I think. But the... I checked and I, I saw it was like a French fairy tale. Well, you know what's confusing about some of these is that they were adapted. They might have been Brothers Grimm mm-hmm. first and then adapted by someone, but sometimes it was like Hans Christian Anderson, Anderson wrote it and then the Brothers Grimm adapted it. So I think that's probably part of the confusion is a lot of these people okay. just readapt. So maybe at some point it was. I don't know. Yeah. Look at me, Jacob. I must still the fairest of them all. Tell me, I am the fairest of them all, Jacob. And I will make your dreams come true. So, there was a book growing up that my grandma would read to me. Mostly, and sometimes my parents, called A Treasury of Fairy Tales. And it had ones from Hans Christian Andersen, the Brothers Grimm, and other writers. Mm-hmm. And so some of the ones that were in there were Little Red Riding Hood, which that title, normal, Snow White <laughs> and Rose Red. So oh. there's another character in that. Hansel and Gretel, Rumpelstiltskin, Florinda and Yoringale. That's the one isn't known as well. The Little Tailor okay. and Tom Thumb. But I really liked Snow White and Rose Red. Because I love that there was, like, this other person. Because I think, I don't know about for you, but all those fairy tales and Disney movies. Like, I wanted to pick my princess and who I wanted to be like. And so I liked that there was Snow White and Rose Red. Two similar kind of princesses and uh, different flowers. Anyways. So, yeah, but some of them were not as happy, but I still liked them. They were not, like, version one of Brothers Grimm because they slowly mm-hmm. got, you know, until you get to Disney, like, that's the happiness level that they get to. Like, <laughs> I was definitely a Disney girl growing up in many senses of the word, <laughs> but especially when it came to Disney princesses. I loved Cinderella. And today, to do some additional research, <laughs> I rewatched Cinderella, and nice. I rewatched Sleeping Beauty, and I rewatched Princess and the Frog. Love it. Because those were all, at one time, <laughs> grim fairy tales. <laughs> and one, I definitely know after doing this research, they are nothing like the first edition grim fairy tales, which we will talk about. But they still made me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? I definitely see why I liked these movies as a kid. I mean, Princess and the Frog came out a little later. But I did go see that one in theaters and liked it then. And I still like it now. I don't like that one. I didn't like the evil demon guy. Okay, he's spooky. Not a fan. (laughs) But I like her dresses. And Mm -hmm. I love that she's actually like a motivated heroine and like has goals and like wants to open a restaurant and like a romance is a bonus, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. True. So what were some of the true endings of those tales? Oh boy. Well, I found a bunch. And let me tell you, they are violent. Let's see. Cinderella. This one that I was just telling you about how I loved this as a child and it made me feel warm and fuzzy today. Well, first of all, her name in the Grimm version is Aschenputtel. I'm probably (laughs) mispronouncing that, but (laughs) I just want you to know it's not Cinderella. Her wishes come true not because of her fairy godmother, but there's a hazel tree growing on her mother's grave and she waters it with her flowing tears. And the prince finds 
you know, they the prince and his flunkies are looking for the girl who fits the slipper, mm. which is gold, not glass. Oh. And the stepsisters cut off parts of their feet to see if they can fit into oh, this shoe. Oh, my goodness. Because they want to be princess. But they do not become princess because of their bloody feet. And at the end of the day, there are white birds pecking out their eyes <gasps> at the wedding. Why? Just to, like, I guess reinforce to tell you the stepsisters are bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah, how about this? Uh, a lot of these, in the Disney version, they're evil stepmothers, and in later Grimm versions, they were stepmothers. In the original versions, they were just, like, straight moms. Like, mm. I gave birth to you, and also I want to lose you in the forest. Oh so in Snow White, it's her biological mother. And Hansel and Gretel, it's their biological mother who just kind of, like, drops them in the forest and abandons them. And some of that has to do with because death rates were not so great around the time people were living in the Grimm era. So there is some speculation that they think this reflects real life relationships when they changed it to stepmothers because a lot of times men would remarry women the same age as their daughters. Oh. So it may be reflecting culture at the time. Some other fun first edition <laughs> stories of the Grimm brothers. Rapunzel, she has a quote-unquote merry time with her prince in the tower. <laughs> and he comes repeatedly, it sounds like. And eventually she has to say, Mother Gothel, why do my clothes not fit anymore? They are so tight because she has gotten pregnant. Okay. Not Entangled, another movie I love. <laughs> <laughs> And in The Frog Prince, the thing that turns him into the prince is not a kiss, but she throws him against a wall and he explodes. Into a prince? Yes. Well, that's Just, good, I guess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Different method. Also, I wanted to share that Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, I'm not going to share too many details because I felt uncomfortable reading it. It was a weird striptease. That's the original what? version of that. So we're just going to leave it at that. And then I did want to share a couple stories that I read about that, for whatever reason you decide, have not been adapted into Disney movies. So the first of these is How the Children Played at Slaughtering. That's the name of it. And oh the summary of this is a group of children are pretending to be a butcher and a pig, and a boy accidentally, or not accidentally, I don't know, it doesn't say actually, he cuts the throat of his little brother... But his mother is mad at him, so she stabs him in the heart. But that means she left her child alone in the bath, so this other kid dies in the bath. What? And so the mother feels terrible, and she hangs herself. And eventually the father gets home, and he's so sad he dies. That's horrible. I know. And one more. It's also upbeat. <laughs> upbeat. <laughs> the name of it is The Children of Famine. So we're off to a good start. Okay. In this, a mother threatens to kill her daughters because there's nothing to eat. They offer her bread, and she says, you've got to die or else we'll waste away. And they say, okay, we'll lie down and sleep and we won't get up until judgment day. And presumably the mother eats her children and then disappears. I don't like these. No, I mean, I just can't believe Disney didn't want to try and adapt that last one, personally. <laughs> it seems like they're missing out on a real cash cow. Wow, it's amazing how you can start with some of these stories and then just omit details, change <laughs> roles and relationships, and yeah. you've got a happy tale. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we should say, though, that that sounds like what the Grimm brothers were kind of doing from the get-go. They were adapting oral stories and legends and things mm -hmm. that kind of like old wives' tales, stories that women would tell to children or to each other while they're doing kind of tedious work like spinning. And a lot of these stories are way older than the Grimm brothers. Yeah. So, for example, you can see stories of Cinderella style all the way back in like ancient China and ancient Egypt. But, of course, there are little changes. So, like, in Egypt, her slippers are red leather. Hmm. And in the West Indies, it's breadfruit and not a pumpkin. 
that is the object that gets mm. transformed. And so the Grimms were trying to document these because, as we mentioned in the movie, one actually true thing is that the French were invading a lot <laughs> because of Napoleon. Okay. And the Grimms were afraid that a lot of German culture was going to be lost. So they were trying to document all of these oral stories. Mm-hmm. And there was also the Industrial Revolution, so women weren't doing tasks like spinning as much as they used to, so there weren't opportunities for these stories to be passed down as much. And so they were adapting some stories in other written forms, but they were also adapting oral stories that people were telling. Yeah. And trying to supposedly collect it in the true vernacular, the way people talked. So when you look at the facts, that's not entirely true. Like in their first edition, they're like, we're telling you these stories exactly as we heard them. And we're preserving German culture. Not 100% true. One of the main people who contributed to these stories was, she was basically a French person. <laughs> like in her culture and in her beliefs and mm -hmm. background. So she wasn't really a true German. Now she did work in an inn. So she would be hearing a lot of stories of people passing in and out. So she may be actually relaying German stories um, yeah. because she was living in Germany. And, of course, a lot of these stories existed before the Brothers Grimm. So they were adapting some of those. And they definitely, over the versions, changed more and more. Mm -hmm. When they first wrote this book, it was not intended for children. But then they kind of realized that I don't know if it was that this was an opportunity or that they were already being read to children and yeah. kind of already changed. So it was in the seventh edition by the time they both died. And they had been changed quite a bit. They had about 40 or 50 stories in the first edition that were removed or drastically changed hmm. by the seventh edition. And this one is the final 7th edition, which is the best known today, is most accessible to children. By 1815, they were adding illustrations, and the final version had 211 stories. But, wow. of course, there were a lot of changes. So, you can kind of argue about whether or not they were really preserving German culture or not. But I did think it was funny. They found an original um, first draft of their first book of mm. one of the oral stories. And oh. <laughs> one of the, just tell me what you think of the story. Early the next morning, the forester goes hunting at two o'clock. Once he is gone, Lynchin says to Carl, if you don't leave me all alone, I won't leave you. And Carl says, never. Then Lynchin says, I just want to tell you that our cook carried a lot of water into the house yesterday, so I asked her why. This is oh. all one sentence. Okay, no good. <laughs> so I would like to at least give a little credit to the Brothers Grimm for making these stories legible and mm -hmm. understandable and also they were adapting stories that were ever changing on their own yeah so it sounds like there was never really one version and mm -hmm. they were messing it up it sounds like they were maybe taking one version and making it more palatable to an audience yeah so, which is what we're still doing today all the time i know with these movies i did read a couple uh for this recording from they were one of their versions from 1823. Okay. And there were some interesting ones. One of them I do remember, which was, I don't remember what it was called when I read it, but in this version it was called Hans in Luck. And this was about the boy who worked for seven years and was like, all right, I'm ready to take my wages home to my mom. But, oh no, all they gave me was this giant silver coin that's way too heavy to carry. And so he slowly <laughs> trades. He trades that for a horse, a horse for a cow, a cow for a pig, a pig for a goose, and finally a goose for a grindstone that he loses in the river. But what guess what? Story. He's happy, though, because the grindstone was way too heavy. <laughs> Well, you know, which is the whole reason he sold outlook. his coin. 
<laughs> his silver. Yeah, so there's that. But I, in the version I read, he ends up with a goose, and they stop the trading there. And, like, the goose has, like, golden eggs or something, so, like, it was a okay, great okay, okay. bargain. And then I read a couple others, too, but the one that I just loved a line from. <laughs> so this fisherman catches a magical fish, throws him back, because the fish is like, hey, dude, please let me live. I'm magical. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to the ditch where he and his wife live, and he tells his wife, hey, I caught a magical fish, but, you know, threw him back. And she was like, you idiot. <laughs> Ask him for something. He's magical. So the he, logic follows. Mm-hmm, he goes back many times to he calls on this fish to grant the wishes of his wife, which first she wants a cottage, then a castle, then she wants to be king, then she wants to be emperor. By the way, not queen, not empress, king, emperor, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. pope, and <laughs> then back to the ditch because the fish is like. Go home. It, you now live in a ditch again. Wow. But the line that he uses, he has this way of calling the fish, but part of it is, Alice, my wife, the plague of my life. This <laughs> 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 is just horrible. <laughs> it's so funny. Wow, we... Yeah, and I mean, women were the villains in so many of their tales. And, like, I read that it's because they loved their father so much that they idealized fathers, and so the men in their stories were the heroes, and then the moms were the villains. (laughs) So I gotta assume they had a bad experience with some female relative. Well, and isn't that also true of Walt Disney? I feel like I heard that once somewhere along the way that there was a difficult relationship with one of his parents along the way. So all Um, these grim fairy tales really resonated (laughs) with him. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, geez. I may need to check, fact check that. I will see if I can find something about that to put in our Tumblr um, as we were not planning to discuss that. But as you said that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've heard this before. (laughs) So that's one mm-hmm. I want to use. Alice, my wife, the plague of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we also mention, we're not going to go into a deep dive on this, but Jacob and Wilhelm did a lot of other things in their careers that were a big deal. Not as relevant mm-hmm. to our discussion, but the between the two of them, they wrote a lot of books. Jacob wrote 21. Wilhelm wrote 14. Together they wrote eight more. These guys had a lot going on <laughs> uh, with their careers at university and with their study of language. They are some of the first people to really formalize the study of language. Hmm. There is something called Grimm's Law, which basically helps you recognize how different sounds in one language connect with other sounds in different languages and how different, like, you can use the same letter to, like, denote different sounds in different languages and how, like, words come from a similar root Mm -hmm. in different languages. To be honest, I read multiple explanations of it, and I was like, this is way over my head. So I will be including information about it if you want to learn more. But I was like, wow, that is so basic, and we don't even have to think about that in the 21st century, about how, like, these are things we don't have to think about anymore because they really pioneered the work on this. Hmm. And notably, they really were some of the first people to really pioneer dictionaries. And they had this really ambitious goal in their later years to try and put all German words found in the literature of three centuries into one book. And unfortunately, this was a very ambitious project, (laughs) and they were no longer young men when they started this. So Wilhelm died around the letter D, and Jacob died around the letter F. So it was carried on and finished by other people well Mm. after they died, But it was just this really comprehensive collection of words and idioms and proverbs in German. And this was not really something that existed before. So Hmm. they did a lot of work for 
just how language is understood and communicated and the written word is put together, which I think is pretty cool. Like we don't even have to think about these things anymore because of all the work they did. I like them more and more. Not that I didn't like them before, but (laughs) this just gives me a reason to appreciate their lives. Mm Mm-hmm. So, are you ready to talk about how this fits into the world of Gilmore Girls? How this fits into uh, Gilmore's Grimm? (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, Lorelai is saying that the Grimm brothers would be shocked by this revelation, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. That it was worse than the (laughs) endings (laughs) that they had written down. Uh Which... Gruesome to the heart, this letter was, <laughs> yes. But the Grimm story is pretty awful. Uh-huh. So maybe... Now, remember, they mm-hmm. didn't write about a piece of mud that becomes a gingerbread man. That's true. We can at least give them credit for not horrifying us that way. But so much killing and chopping of feet... Uh. <laughs> and pecking of eyes. Yeah. And stabbing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to say I understand what she was saying. It was so terrible. Maybe the Brothers Grimm would want to write it down and include it in their mm-hmm. nonviolent gruesome tales. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps it also speaks to their problem with women and mothers as villains. Ooh, now we're getting somewhere. Because this is another mother figure, and of course, she loved Richard. And while she and Emily did have some moments of understanding toward the end, she was pretty terrible to Emily emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Their whole relationship. And now you find out Oh, she never wanted Emily in her family at all. Yeah. Okay, so female villains. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's more fitting. That's true. Yeah, and so maybe she's not the evil stepmother, but the evil mother-in-law. Ooh. And yeah. how many evil mother-in-law movies do we have now? We have Monster-in-Law. There's one. (laughs) I just watched that recently. Not good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I remember being entertained by it. It's been a while, though. (laughs) That was like a time when there was also like that Maid story with Jennifer Lopez. Maid in Manhattan. Maid in Manhattan. And then there was one Mm. other that I like equated with that. The Wedding Planner? Yes. Well, yeah, they're all Jennifer Lopez rom-coms. Yeah. But yes. I think the best of those is Made in Manhattan, actually. Yeah, that one. A Cinderella story. It was. It was. Oh, so yeah, that was Brothers Grimm. Boom! (laughs) All. I remember in high school, like my freshman year, my English teacher, by the way, his name was Adam Homo. So his initials were, his email was A Homo. And in 2000 and. Uh, six, whatever. In the early 2000s, that was just plenty of I'm, ammo. I'm uncomfortably chucking, chuckling because I know the maturity level of freshman students. Yeah. Especially yeah. at that time. So anyways, but he was like this giant six foot, you know, 12 massive man. So seven man. foot. <laughs> yeah, that was the point. Very tall man and... um you couldn't really mess with him. Anyways, but he told us all different, all, like, all the types of stories have been written. There's Cinderella. There's da-da-da. But so many of the, like, the storytelling, the plots that we still use were written down by Brothers Grimm, which is pretty cool. Well, to tie it into that and to Gilmore Girls... I watched one of these movies as quote-unquote research recently. Mm -hmm. It was available to watch on TV, so fortunately I didn't spend any money on it. But I did watch it twice in one week because it was so bad it was so good. I had to introduce it to my sisters. 
It is Sydney White starring Amanda oh Bynes and Doyle from Gilmore Girls oh, as yeah. one of the seven dorks that she moves in with. Is he grumpy? <sighs> He'd be grumpy is. if he was. I th- Gilmore yeah, Girls. I think he's supposed to be grumpy. There is oh, a definite funny. sneezy and sleepy. And I guess can't tie his shoesy. I don't know. <laughs> yes. So you are correct. These stories just keep getting adapted and modified. And who's mm-hmm. to say the Grimms didn't believe that Snow White couldn't be trying to rush her mom's sorority and that the evil witch was the evil president of the sorority who didn't want Sydney to fall in love with her boyfriend, Tyler Prince. <laughs> who's to say, indeed. Who's to say a poisoned apple can't be a MacBook with a computer virus? Oh my gosh. Who's to say? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. So bad it's good. So, Taylor? So, Kyla? That's our show? That's our show! Ooh. All right, so before you check out because you're like eh, I know that they want me to leave a review on iTunes and all that jazz <laughs> we have a little treat for you at the end yeah you know it's these times are crazy times so why not be comforted by the reading of a the uh, adapted <laughs> grim <laughs> fairy tale by a mom what could be more mm-hmm. pleasant than being read a story Yes, that is not a first edition Grim Brother no, it is not. fairy tale. So my mom, Catherine herself, is going to read <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood for you from A Treasury of Fairy Tales. Yay! Yay! At the end, so stick around for that. Leave us a review. Did did you like Brothers Grimm 2005? Was Matt Damon and seeing Matt Damon and Heath Ledger together worth it for you? Let's know. You know, if you're a Matt Damon and or Heath Ledger completist, this is on your list. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's probably not. <laughs> yeah, just read the read the stories. Mm-hmm. The seventh edition. <laughs> Number seven. <laughs> and you can follow us at So It's a Show on Twitter, so it's a show podcast.tumblr.com, so it's a show at gmail.com, all the things. Here's a teaser for our next step. And they all lived happily ever after. Aww. Man, it is so loud out here. You never think of the beaches being loud. You do when there's a band of puns reenacting Top Gun in back of you. Little Red Riding Hood. Once upon a time, there was a little village girl, the prettiest you have ever seen. Her mother loved her dearly, as did her grandmother. She had made her a little red hood, which suited her so well that everyone called her Little Red Riding Hood. One day, her mother said to her, Your grandmother is not very well. Go and see how she is. You can take her some cookies and this homemade jar of jelly. Little Red Riding Hood left right away to visit her grandmother, who lived in another village. As she was walking through the forest, she met a wolf. He would have liked to gobble her up on the spot, but he did not dare to because there were some woodcutters nearby in the forest. He pretended to be very kind and asked her where she was going. The poor little girl did not know that it was dangerous to talk to a wolf, and she said to him, I am going to see my grandmother to take her some cookies and a jar of jelly my mother made for her. Does she live very far away? asked the wolf. Oh, yes, replied Little Red Riding Hood. Her house is beyond the mill, by the first house in the village. Well, said the wolf, I would like to see her too. I will take this road here, and you take the other road, and we will see who arrives first. The wolf set off on the shortest path, running as fast as he could, while the little girl went by the other longer path, amusing herself by gathering nuts, running after butterflies, and picking up small bunches of flowers. It did not take the wolf very long to reach the grandmother's house. He reached up and knocked at the door. Tap, tap. Who is it? came the voice from inside. It is your granddaughter, Little Red Riding Hood, said the wolf, disguising his voice. I have brought you some cookies and a jar of jelly my mother has made for you. The good grandmother, who was in bed, called out, 
Lift up the latch and come in. The wolf lifted the latch and the door opened. At once he leapt onto the bed and ate up the poor woman in less than a second. Then he closed the door and laid down in the grandmother's bed to wait for Little Red Riding Hood. A few moments later, she knocked at the door. Tap, tap. Who is it? came the gruff wolf's voice. When she heard this, Little Red Riding Hood was a little scared at first. But remembering her grandmother was ill, she answered, It is your granddaughter, Little Red Riding Hood. I've brought you some cookies and a jar of jelly my mother has made for you. The wolf softened his voice a little and called out, Lift up the latch and come in. Little Red Riding Hood lifted the latch and the door opened. The wolf hid under the bed covers and said, Put the cookies and the jar of jelly on the table and come sit on the bed beside me. Little Red Riding Hood climbed onto the bed and stared at her grandmother. Grandma, what big arms you have, she cried. All the better to hug you with, the wolf replied. And Grandma, what big ears you have. All the better to hear you with. Grandma, what big eyes you have. All the better to see you with, my child. Grandma, what big teeth you have, cried Little Red Riding Hood. All the better to eat you with, barked the wolf. And throwing back the covers, he leapt out of bed. Just as he was about to eat up the little girl, the woodcutter who had been in the forest burst into the cottage. With one blow of his axe, he cut off the wolf's head and nobody was ever troubled by that wicked creature again.